I would now like to introduce our second speaker, Scott. Hello, everyone. My name is Scott, and I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, Scott. There's proof in there if you need it. I don't lie as much as I used to. So, uh, I, I want to, and that's not a lie either. Uh, I, I want to begin by reading some, uh, write, reading something I wrote at my home meeting last night. On the fourth Wednesdays of the month, we have an option to do this 12-minute exercise. You know, some people meditate or write or walk out of the room or whatever. So I chose to read, uh, to write a Dear God letter, and I'll come back to it later on. Dear God, you are virtually absent when it comes to any hope I have around dating and romance. This is code for I don't have the willingness around dating and romance. How can I cultivate willingness? Is that even possible? Is there such a thing as acting as if I'm willing? I don't know the answers to my questions, but I am trying my best to create willingness. I am not, excuse me, I am not at the stage yet where I'm taking baby steps. I'm at the stage of other, um, I'm at the stage of the parents of the baby steps are just meeting. The steps I am taking feel microscopic and include things like joining a dating website and reading, uh, excuse me, or reaching out to three, four, or five women per week. Getting a response is like winning the lottery, except I believe that the odds of winning the lottery are greater. <laughs> With that said, Mrs. Wright, haha, replied to my uh, initial message from a few days ago. I told Mrs. Wright that she sounded like a 12-stepper. Mrs. Wright told me that she be, she's been in AA for three or is it four years, and she's been in OA abstinently and with a sponsor since January. Tomorrow is Mrs. Wright's first Thanksgiving with a food plan, and she is not too concerned about going off her plan. Anyway, Mrs. Wright and I will be meeting in person on the second Saturday of December. We haven't planned the particulars of our wedding or uh, <laughs> first, first date yet, uh, but I have offered to come to her home city of, and I'm not going to read it for anonymity's sake, next right actions and clean food are always the solutions to my problems. Thy will not mine be done. And again, I may come back to this if I have time. So I came to my first OA meeting at age 28. That was on Friday, March 2nd, 2001. Um, I was 315 pounds at that time. Uh, within about two weeks, I got my first sponsor. About a week after that, I got abstinent for the first time. Uh, my original, abs uh, original plan of eating was three meals a day, nothing in between, one optional snack, and no refined sugar in anything if it's, you know, in the top five ingredients. Uh, I was abstinent the first time for about two years, uh, you know, with that plan of eating, with that food plan. 
Um, for the following seven years, I, I spent that in. in uh, I spent the following seven years in relapse because I decided I can experiment with food, and I just was not willing to look at things like wheat and corn products, which turn into sugar once they're in your body. So, seven years in relapse. Uh, so up front, I lost eighty nine pounds. While in relapse, I regained forty four of that. So almost half of it came back. And then in the summer of 2010, I started working with a new sponsor, and I've been abstinent since. So seven and a half years almost of current back-to-back -back abstinence. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So overall, I have lost 149 pounds. That number is as of a week ago, I think, is when I last weighed myself, give or take a couple days. And my plan of eating has changed drastically. Uh, these days, I still eat three meals a day usually. Sometimes I eat four meals a day. And once in the blue moon, I even eat five times a day, um, like once a year maybe. And that's based on activity level and my schedule. Uh, I still do not eat refined sugar, except I don't eat it, period. Even if it's the 50th ingredient, I just do not eat refined sugar. It's become a greater thing for me beyond addiction. Um, I do not eat any wheat products, including all flours. I completely abstain from corn products. I don't eat rice or potatoes in any form. I don't do caffeinated food or beverages, period. I don't do artificial sweeteners, colors, dyes, or flavorings at all. And I don't do animal products, including meat, fowl, fish, dairy, eggs. I don't do any animal products. Um, I completely abstain from those foods I just listed because of a physical addiction, a chemical dependency is what I'm kind of referring to it these days. Um, and then there's a group of foods that I don't eat when they're served alone, these fatty foods like all nuts, olives. Um, there's certain you know, deep fried foods that I kind of have to kind of, it's the one thing I kind of weigh and measure, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds. I can eat those things if they're already in an existing dish, but on their own, there's a mental addiction that comes up for me, not so much the physical piece. If it's a one ounce sack or a big, you know, 20 whatever pound can or whatever, it all looks and feels like one serving. And I just won't stop, so I have to view it in the way I view it these days. So I go to a meeting on Sunday mornings, Monday evenings, Tuesday evenings, Thursday evenings, and Saturday mornings. I currently have four sponsees, three are full-time, and the fourth is someone who just reports their food into me daily. The three full-time sponsees book and every single meal. So I'm getting six texts per day from each of those three sponsees or, or phone calls bookending each meals. This is what I'm committing to. This is what I had. And as far as I know, all four of these people are abstinent. I don't think they're lying either. I really believe they're abstinent. Um, I have service commitments on Tuesday evenings in this room. And I have one at my home meeting on Wednesday evenings, which I haven't been able to, to attend much because of a class I have this semester. Um, but I'm able to fulfill the commitment. It's a speaker-getter commitment. So, you know, I, I fill the calendar 
in, in August, you know, for the whole six months. So that's the other one. I also just wrapped up uh, about a 16-month commitment with SF Intergroup. So good experience. I'm extremely busy. I have a job at a restaurant. By the way, the food never talks to me. Talk about miracles. Um, I have a part-time job with the state of California, which is a part of my internship for graduate school. And I'm also a full-time graduate student at SF State. In fact, I'm wrapping up my final six months. It's finally happening. Like, I, I can see it. And uh, it's not that scary. It, really, it just feels like, well, of course. I mean, this is just the next part of your life. I mean, this, this is it. Don't worry about it. This is a good thing. And this is going to open up more doors. Uh, so that's that. You know, one of the things I'm most proud of as far as my recovery is that I have counted 18 medical and psychiatric conditions completely healed just by overhauling my nutrition. And that is a literal statement. No doctors, no nurses, no therapists, no surgeons, no pharmacists, no nutritionists, no personal trainers, no religions, no gurus, no medications, and no exercise were harmed in my physical and mental health transformation. <laughs> and overhauling my nutrition means three things. Number one, it means looking at what I eat and what I drink, which all begins in OA. And it's something I continue to kind of look at on a daily basis, even though the food rarely talks to me. These days, I, I experience normal hunger versus abnormal cravings, and I truly know the difference. Uh, the other thing I do as far as I've done as far as overhauling my nutrition, I take supplements in the form of vitamins and, and minerals. And the third thing is, and let me remind you to please take what you want and leave the rest, uh, my overhauling of my nutrition means getting rid of all man-made pharmaceuticals. In fact, nothing man-made is allowed in my body. Um, the food I eat is not only abstinent, but it is organic, it is locally grown, and all of it is paid for in cash. I just celebrated two years of zero credit card debt. So these are all gifts of the program and gifts of abstinence. And uh, was that 10? That was 10. Thank you, Maggie. So that's that. So I asked Sharon a couple of months ago, so what is the theme of this year's Thanksgiving events? Because, you know, usually there's a theme. And um, she looks at me and says, it's, it's Thanksgiving. Talk about gratitude. <laughs> Or talk about turkey. So uh, I, I, I don't need to talk about turkey. You know, I don't need. I don't need to do that. Uh, I'm sure they have some wonderful AA meetings in Turkey, but you know, I'll leave that. I'll leave it at that. So uh, I'll talk about gratitude. You know, uh, about a week ago, I was visiting my my parents who live in the city, and you know, I, I had to stop by to pick up something or drop off something. I don't. I don't remember at this point. And. Usually when I'm over there, I make it a point to ask my mom and dad if they want me to pick something up for them at the grocery store. I have two elderly parents, and uh, my mom says, yeah, you know, I was thinking about going to Safeway and Walgreens. And I said, okay, well, what do you want? And her thing is, she knows I'm busy, but she's kind of, and she doesn't want to like, you know, she's kind of a people pleaser, and she's like a constant worrier. So... She said, aren't you busy? I said, well, not right now. What would you like for me to get for you? And uh, she said, okay. Um, 
And once again, you're not busy? I said, not right now. What do you want? And I said, why don't I just take you? They said, oh, yeah, okay. So, um, so I, uh, I'm parked about a half block down. And uh, for those of you who don't know, which is most of the people in this room, I think, my mother is a tiny Asian woman. I'm from Okinawa, Japan. That's where I was born. That's where my mom was born and raised. So she's this four foot ten Asian woman. She'll be 78 years old on January 6th. She used to be like a couple inches taller. Uh, and, you know, I'm very protective of all my family members my mom, my dad, and my sister. And, you know, my mom and I are walking down the block, and she's to my left, and I'm to her right. And uh, she's talking, she does a lot of gossiping. I don't judge her anymore on that. And uh, it's a way of making a living amends to her, actually. I'm uh, trying to be the son that uh, I need to be, not the higher power or the critic or the babysitter or the mom or the dad, not my job. Uh, so she's talking, doing her thing. She walks very gingerly because her feet are bad. And I'm watching her every step because, you know, like as if I would with a little kid and looking ahead to see if there are any tracks or anything in the, in the sidewalk. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I have this kind of spiritual experience where a second version of me is kind of looking at my mom and I from up above or something or from the side. And here I am, you know, I, I'm now this 45-year-old man and I've lost a lot of weight and, you know, people think I look slim and, you know, I don't think they're, you know, blind or need glasses or anything. And... Um, I'm standing really tall. I'm six feet one inch. And, you know, some people think I've grown a couple of inches because I, I recently made an effort to improve my posture. So I'm walking and standing very straight. And I look forward and up now when I'm walking down the street, risking other people who are oncomers, you know, risking they may think I'm making eye contact or, or staring, which is a thing for me which I don't have to get into here, but uh, bottom line is it is not easy. But uh, I have learned that if you want to get to the other side of something, you've got to do things that are not easy. And then eventually it gets easier, not easy, but easier. And then for some things in my life, many things are just second nature. Um, so this other kind of version of me is looking down at us, and, and it hits me. I'm becoming the son I was meant to be for my parents. And I felt really emotional. You know, here I am at age 45, walking slowly with my mom and taking her to the grocery store. And afterwards, the plan is to pick up the groceries and bring them in, even though I'm in so much physical pain 24-7, it ain't funny. But it's doable. That's, the, that's important, too. Is I'm not hurting myself in the process. I'm capable of doing it. Uh, the physical pain is unavoidable at this point. So, and you know, I'm wearing this nice $700 jacket that I paid for without using a credit card, and my other clothes are, are nice and color-coordinated, and I'm listening to my mother. I'm not judging her. I am listening to her, and I'm looking for the cracks in the ground. You know, I'm a full-time grad student. I'm working two jobs now. I've overhauled my health. Here I am. I'm becoming the son I was meant to be. You know, I remember living at home. So I lived at home until I was 30 years old. That's how out of it I was because of this disease and all the consequences of this disease. 
And, you know, I remember I'd be out and about with my dad or my mom. And we, we would run into, you know, neighbors or people they knew from work. And, you know, sometimes they would say, so, so what does he do for a living? And I cannot tell you the shame I felt. You know, on one hand, I wanted my parents to make something up. But if they did, it would prove to me how ashamed they were of me. So sometimes, usually my mom or dad would make some vague statement about school, like, oh yeah, he's in school right now. When the truth was, I was in, enrolled in a class for about three weeks, and I dropped it three months ago. And, you know, the best I could do in those moments, besides hate myself even more, was to kind of, you know, give out this fake smile, or kind of look the other way and pretend I didn't hear anything. And... Um, my God, you know, on, on this Thanksgiving 2017, I got to say that I am really grateful for the life I have these days. Um, the, the other day, I had to make a really difficult decision. I, I have uh, a, a had, a, a past tense, a sick cat. And, you know, I'm not coming into outside issues, but I'm just against Western medicine. And I had to make this really difficult decision as to whether or not to take him to the vets or not. I spoke to two people, and I did a lot of praying and meditating on it. And what, what came back through my intuition is just take him to the vets. And you know, at the very least, get some kind of diagnosis. And if you want to treat him for that, alternatively, you, know, you can do that. That's an option. But just get a diagnosis right now. So I made the call, called the vet, took him there, paid for it in cash. That's important. And I got some diagnoses, plural. And guess what? He's doing much better now. And I'm just so grateful for having this open mind. I mean, that is the gift that I, I talk about the most from OA is the gift of an open mind. This fellowship taught me to have an open mind around my food and everything else. And, uh, you know, of course, there are still times where I think I'm God enough to make the right decision without anyone else. But now I can, you know, stop you know, knock it off and just kind of come back to, uh, to what is likely to be the better of the two decisions, right? It's this constant lower power versus higher power thing happening. So, uh, and more times than not, I choose the higher power. So, uh, so I'm grateful for that, the open-mindedness I, I have around most things these days. And uh, I'm really grateful that you know, I am becoming the son that my, I think my parents, you know, I was meant to be for my parents. You know, I'm, you know, financially I'm doing well and I'm taking care of all my own bills. And, you know, I'm just, I think, a, a really decent person in, in this world who more times than not just worries about his side of the street. And uh, that is not easy, by the way. I am really grateful that I have a sister who joined the fellowship five years ago who since day one has been the only, literally the only person who has uh, taken my plans of eating into consideration before cooking Thanksgiving dinner. And today is no different. After this event, I'll be picking her up at her home. We'll be driving to my parents' place in the Mission District. And I will have abstinent food, compliments of my sister once again. And I'm really grateful for that. Because unfortunately, my parents to this day still offer me sugar and flour. And when I say no, the next best thing is here's 20 bucks, buy some, something to eat. 
My mother has this weird thing that she's now giving me thirty dollars for something. <laughs> Inflation or something, I guess. But uh, you know what? I'll, I'll take it, um, and I won't be buying sugar and flowery goodies with it. You know. Um, I'm kind of looking at my time here. I am grateful for a life where I have virtually no irrational fear in my life. I live a life free of all anxiety. Uh, in 2004, I experienced perhaps the worst year of my adult life. I lived in constant terror in 2004. I remember it was the second year I lived alone. I believe it was the second year I lived alone. I had this, which is a really decent one-bedroom apartment. And uh, with my last five minutes, I will uh, wrap up my share. Um, I was going to group therapy at that time for like the third time in my life. And uh, I remember I'd ride the bus to group therapy. And all I can do to combat that terror I lived in was to read from an AA book called Came to Believe. It used to be read, R-E-A-R-E-D. And uh, I, I must have read R-E-A-D, that book, about three times in about a six-month span. In fact, I consider that the most important 12-step book I've ever read, and there's one particular entry in the first four pages that is the most important piece of 12-step lit I've ever read. And every concept I have of God is based on that one entry. It's kind of the foundation of every God or higher power I've ever had. And... Um, you know, I don't remember where I was going for that. Oh, oh I know. I, I'm just so grateful to have this life now where I don't, I, not only do I not live in terror, I'm just not really afraid of anything anymore. And there is no more anxiety. It's gone. Um, the other thing is I live a life now where I have almost no food cravings. Most of the times I'm hungry, it's, it's real hunger. You know, there's scientific reasons why we get hungry. And, you know, every four to six hours I just naturally get hungry. And more times than not, I am eating meals that I prepared at home. Abstinent, delicious meals that were paid for cash that I pre prepared at home. And I've become an excellent cook. And I actually have learned to really enjoy cooking. I have this ritual now. You know, I'll put on like a podcast or something, OA or, or non-OA on my phone or something else. And the cutting board comes out. And, and, and the good... The importance of a good knife, I had no idea until recently. <laughs> and, you know, I have all the herbs and spices and, you know, all this stuff. And I cook for a couple hours and then I eat the stuff. And then I wash the dishes. And sometimes I think, you know what, it would be much easier to not cook. But that's, that's actually not true. Just like sometimes I'm out and about in the world and I think, you know what, it would be much easier to still be living at home with my parents and sleeping 15 to 20 hours per week and living in constant terror with psoriasis all over my... You don't see anything. There used to be psoriasis all over my body. It's gone. And, uh, but no, it, it wouldn't have been easier. It would have been more difficult. And uh, here's the thing. My life is wonderful these days. And you know that your life is wonderful when you're experiencing promises that aren't even in the promises. That is how good things are for me. I, you know, when I first came in, the, the thing was, you know, maybe I lose a couple of pounds and I make a couple of friends. You know, you would hear people talk about getting married and getting a new job or starting a business or going back to school or whatever. 
but you can't really know what that feels like until you're in it. And then all this other stuff, free of anxiety and the psoriasis healing up. And, you know, I used to nap like four hours a day. I don't even take maybe one nap every four years now. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've just become this very productive human being. Not only, not only to my parents and sister, but to my employers. Uh, yeah, so I'm just grateful to have this life today. And, uh, you know, I, I got to say, I've seen most of the faces in, the, in, in this room at, at other meetings I attended. And, um, you know, they say in OA, uh, what is it? We'll, we'll love you until you can learn to love yourself. And, and the problem I had is, well, I don't think you all love me. So I get knocked down, uh, knocked down even another notch on the, on the lonely level. I now live a life today, I'm really grateful to, to really believe that there are people in this room who truly do love me. I hear the words, I love you, Scott, and more times than not, I believe it. And you know, there are people in this room who are not sponsees of mine who tell me some really personal things. And they trust me with that information, and I don't abuse the, the privilege of having that, you know, that, that trust. And... Uh, the saga continues. I think I have a lot more coming on my way. Grad school done in May, full-time grown-up employment after that, and I have some other major plans as well after that. But uh, none of that is on my radar if my food isn't clean. That is always a prerequisite for everything in my life. Clean food. Clean food. I say that if I can practice perfection around my food, right, that one black and white act, some people call it restriction, if I could practice that one black and white act in my life, I am promised thousands of gray in all these other areas of my life. And that is a, a trade-off I will take any day of the week. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope that was helpful.